Welcome. I want to thank you for joining us. Um, it's a little different than what we normally do. There's normally a lot of people sitting out here, uh, but the, uh, the, the, the decision to hold the service like this, I want you to know it was not one that, I, that was uh, made easily. It was a difficult decision to make. Um, one reason is I believe that the church is such a, a, an important part of, of our lives, especially in a time of crisis. When, when we're facing a crisis such as we're facing right now, the church has a voice and the church has a place to, it's, it, it's a place where people can come to and get, and get hope and, bring, and get comfort and uh, uh, speak into people's lives. So we're doing this a little bit differently than what we normally do, uh, but we're, we're really, we're just going to come together and see what God has for us today. We're doing this in order to honor those that are uh, uh, in authority, that have requested that we not meet publicly as we normally do, and the decision was made for that, and also in order to uh, consider the interest of those who uh, are, uh, uh, would normally be here that we don't want to expose anybody to uh, this coronavirus. This thing has really turned the uh, life as we know it the last several weeks. It's just been turned upside down by this virus. Uh, opinions on how serious it is are all over the place. Uh, I could give a lot of statistics, but quite frequently the statistics are changing and the situation's changing. I was going to say day by day, but not only day by day, hour by hour, the situation is changing. Um, the level of confusion surrounding this uh, current crisis is fueled by the fact that we know so little about this COVID-19 virus. We, we know so little about it. A couple of things we do know is that the World Health Organization uh, has declared that the coronavirus is a pandemic. And that means that, that it is uh, a worldwide spread of a new disease. It's now spread to every continent except for Antarctica. And researchers are working diligently to try to find a treatment, to try to find a vaccine, but so far nothing has uh, been developed yet. We also know that as a safety precaution and as because there is so little that we know about it, Extreme measures are being taken to prevent it from spreading. Many schools, including IU, are canceling in-person classes and going to online instruction uh, rather than, than in person. The NBA has canceled their, the rest of their season. I don't know any time that that's ever happened. The NCAA has canceled March Madness. I mean, that's maddening. The, 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 the president has put a temporary ban on travel to most European countries. And yesterday... President Trump declared a national state of emergency for our country. Such unprecedented numbers, or, or measures rather, taken at the cost of millions of dollars uh, should be enough to convince even the most skeptical of the seriousness of, uh, of this disease and the need to treat it as such. So I'm going to take today and address the situation. I want to look at how you and I as disciples of Jesus Christ should respond in the face of crisis, such as we're currently facing. First of all, we need to be careful that we face this and we respond to this in faith and not in fear. 
And by this, I don't mean that we deny or ignore the crisis just because we have faith. Uh, it's not what I'm talking about. You see, faith is not denying the crisis. Uh, rather, it is trusting God through it. Faith, faith is the mindset with which we face the reality of the crisis. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Fear and faith, they can't exist together. If we're operating in the realm of faith, then we're not operating in fear. If we're operating in the realm of fear, then we're not operating in faith. They're mutually exclusive. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome, and he said in Romans 8.15, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. I want you to notice the phrase there, so that you... So, It does not make us slaves so that we live in fear again. See, there's a difference between feeling fear and living in fear. The feeling of fear is a natural emotion. I mean, we we, we can't help it sometimes. But living in fear is when we give in to the feeling and allow the emotions of fear to control our lives. For example, if you're approaching a red light at a busy intersection... And you put your foot on the brake and all of a sudden the brake pedal goes all the way to the floor and you're not even slowing down. You feel fear in that moment. Believe me, I know because it's happened to me. You feel fear in the moment as you're approaching that intersection and your pedal goes all the way to the floor and you're not even beginning to slow down. But if after that happens, you become fearful every time you approach a red light at an intersection, then you're allowing fear to control your life. We live in a world that's gripped with fear. So many people are just living in fear, and it touches every one of our lives. We are all susceptible to it. Seven years ago, our granddaughter Lily was uh, had an x-ray done. They found a mass on her lung. And started, a pre- they didn't know what it was at first. And at first they thought it was cancer, and then they ruled that out, and then they, you know, but they didn't know what it was. And um, started a, a, a regimen of different, trying different treatments, trying to see, find something that would work. And it was actually seven years ago yesterday that uh, she was released from Riley Hospital. And when she was released, the doctors said that that they found, they showed us the x-ray, they said there is no trace of this on the x-ray. And that was pretty amazing because they had told us that no matter what, she would always have, uh, uh, even as this shrank, there would always be some of it left. There would always be a residual uh, of it left on the x-ray. But when they released her, they said, we don't see any trace of it, so whatever. God did a work, but... Uh, during those nine or ten months or so that, that she was, you know, being treated at Riley, especially early on, I had to fight through the fear that we were going to lose her. I was constantly being hit with it, that, that we're going to lose her, but I, I refused to let the fear take over. 
I didn't let it take hold in my mind. Whenever it came to me, I would just turn to the Lord and I would hand it to him. We all have times in our lives where, where fear tends to grip us and, and, and it tends to, to, to really uh, uh, take hold of us. And when we hit those times, we cannot let, them, let the fear rule our lives. We cannot live in fear. You know, when Moses commissioned Joshua to lead the Israelites into the promised land, told him in Deuteronomy 31.6, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither, neither fail, n- fail you nor abandon you. See, 40 years earlier when uh, the Israelites were originally going to go into the promised land, you remember they sent the spies out, the 12 spies into the land to check it out and to, to map out the land and, and take inventory of it. They came back saying, yes, it's, it's, it's just as the Lord told us. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's so, you know, the produce is, is so wonderful and so massive, and it's a wonderful land, but there's giants in the land, and they're going to chew us up and spit us out. It's basically what they said. They were fearful. They were afraid to take possession of what God had already told them was theirs because of the fear. They let fear control them. All but, 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 but all except two of the spies, ten of them let fear control them and spread that to others. But guess what? When Joshua was getting ready to go into the land, and when they crossed the Jordan and they took possession of it, those giants were still there. The opposition was still there. But the thing was, the giants were afraid of them because they had heard the stories of the Lord. See, they didn't, this time, they didn't let fear grip their hearts. They didn't live in it. All throughout the Bible, God's people have faced impossible circumstances and impossible uh, 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 obstacles. And all throughout the Bible, God's people are instructed, do not fear. And often, that's combined with the reason why being, for I am with you. See, God is with us. And when we have his presence, we have no reason to fear. Our Father is with us. I mean, what could be better to know than that? No matter what we're going through, we don't have to fear because our loving Father is here with us. See, as believers, we choose to live in faith, not fear. And when fear tries to creep in, we go to Jesus, we hand it to him, and we refuse to give into it. Jesus is big enough. Second, we respond with wisdom and awareness. Encouraging us to respond in faith does not mean that we ignore the precautions. That wouldn't be faith, that would be foolishness. Faith operates in wisdom, not foolishness. Wisdom dictates that we follow the common sense uh, uh, and accepted guidelines from the CDC and from the Department of Health, that we follow the guidelines to prevent the spread of the virus. Proper and frequent hand washing, you know, avoiding touching your face, uh, uh, using hand sanitizer, social distancing, 
things like that. I mean, the, the only way to spread the disease is for personal contact with somebody that has it. And that's why we're doing this right here, because we don't want to give it a chance to come in and touch anybody in this congregation who then might take it out into the rest of the community because we care about this community. So we're willing to sacrifice and, and come together online like this rather than coming together in person for a short while because we care about our community. So pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to the, the recommended guidelines and the things that are, that are being said, not because of fear, but because it's a wise thing to do. Colossians 4, 5 says, live wisely among those who are not believers. And then it says this, and make the most of every opportunity. That's very interesting. Live wisely and make the most of every opportunity. See, here's something we need to realize. With crisis always comes opportunity. This is, this is an opportunity for us as believers to go beyond the walls of the building, to get outside of this room and outside of this building and to be the church. Not just to come in and do church, but to be the church. For example, I want you to think of someone who maybe is high risk for the coronavirus or for whatever reason is unable to get out into the community. Maybe they're afraid to go to the stores. Maybe they're high risk and, and, and they, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're not comfortable going into, into the grocery store to, to buy the things that they need. Call them up. Offer to do a store run for them. Ask them if there's anything they need help with. Just let them know that you're there. Pray with them. Let them know that, that, that they're not forgotten and that they're not alone. Do what you can to alleviate their fears. When the rest of the, when, when the, rest of the world is hoarding, be generous. Share your toilet paper. Share the things people are hoarding. You know, call somebody up and say, hey, do you need some Charmin? <laughs> I've got some extra. You can have it. We, 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 <laughs> I'm sorry. We would love to be able to hear your ideas. The, the point is, think outside of the box. Think of ways that you can reach out to somebody that's, that, that, that needs help. Somebody that's sitting alone that's, that's afraid. Somebody that doesn't know what they're going to do. Maybe their finances have been interrupted by this, <coughs> by this virus. And maybe it's, it's, they're, they're needing some help, and it's something that you can do, you can help with. We'd love to hear your ideas. Put them on our, uh, uh, post them with this, with this video. What are ways that you can reach out and make a difference in someone's life? Let's begin to see this crisis as an opportunity for the church to demonstrate faith and bring the kingdom of God to a fearful world. Third thing. Let's respond by looking up and not looking down. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's the creator. He's the one who, who, cre who created us and who, he created us to love us. He is above every name that is named. 
See, our help isn't going to come by focusing on what's wrong and all the things around us and by focusing on the virus and, and all of the problems. It's going to come by lifting our eyes and looking to Jesus. See, it matters where we look. It matters uh, 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 where we, where we uh, uh, put our focus. Don't let the coronavirus be your focus. Don't let the shortage of, uh, of toilet paper be your focus. Don't let the shortage of any supplies be your focus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fill your mind with his promises. Put on some worship, worship music and worship him and think about how powerful and great and, and how magnificent he is. Because when we do that, the crisis that we're facing just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble, not far off, ever-present. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And in verse 10, be still. In other words, don't worry. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We are not alone in this. And God is going to be exalted in this. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. If you want that perfect peace, there's only one place to find it, and that's in Jesus. So while the world is going crazy around us and, and, and seems like life as we knew it has been forever changed, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was trustworthy then, he's trustworthy now, and he's trustworthy tomorrow. If you want that perfect peace, fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we look to you for help at this time when this virus seems to be out of control. So many hearts are gripped with fear. There's panic everywhere you look. But there's peace in you. We look to you for help. So Prince of Peace, bring peace to our troubled hearts. God of hope, give hope to those who have lost theirs. Lord, our healer, Touch all who have been affected by this virus with your healing power, your healing presence. Guide our government officials in what to do and how to handle the situation. Guide those working on a vaccine. Help them to discover one quickly that we can eliminate this. Stop the spread of this virus, Lord. 
quickly. And let the recovery be complete and quick. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And now, as usual, every, the end of every service, I like to leave you with a blessing. So right where you are, just stretch out your hands. Stretch out your hands like you're receiving a gift because this is a gift. It's a blessing from the Lord. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. See you soon.